0: Hey, it's your boy. (laughs) What up, gamers? Uh, uh, What what, what else? What else do YouTubers say when they introduce their... (laughs) Smash that like button. Smash that like button. And be sure to subscribe and do all that stuff before you've seen the video. (laughs) Seems unfair to ask for it now, but we're good. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's Hunt, back with another episode of Tabletop Recap. The least listened to. Uh, tabletop Gaming Podcast in the universe. Uh, we also got Big Boy is here. Hello, Shayla's Bad. Wow. <laughs> Terrible. There's no pleasing you. I feel like I every time I point. introduce you you make some joke and then I go bad. No. Wrong. I've given up trying to please you. <laughs> you can't please me because I don't want to be pleased. I'd rather be angry and put myself above people than enjoy their company. I think we just had a breakthrough. (laughs) (laughs) For real, though, we are back. Uh, Finally, finally, fully catching up on our sessions for Waterdeep Dragon Heist. This is the session that you guys did less than a week ago. Uh, What's today? Friday? Thursday. Thursday. Oh, wow. We did this Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, five days ago. Nice. So it should still be pretty fresh in your mind. I, however... Wasn't there. I had to work. I usually work Saturdays, but I did have to work this Sunday because the day I'm recording this is actually the first day of my vacation and I leave tomorrow for my destination Ranger Stop and Pop 2022 Atlanta, Georgia, not the Florida one. I wouldn't be caught dead in Florida. (laughs) Uh, I'm kidding. I've been to Florida multiple times. It did suck. That part wasn't a joke, (laughs) but I would go there if I had to. (laughs) What was I talking about? Yeah, okay. So you guys played this session without me, and I don't know anything about it. Uh, you guys You've were been talking about dodging
1: it. spoilers on the group chat like crazy.
0: Yeah, you guys were talking about it in the chat, but I've just been like swip- swiping my messenger bubble away. I haven't been checking uh, intentionally because <laughs> I wanted to be surprised in real time on the on the podcast. Because I know Susan sent me some paragraph that was like, "Here are the things that." you need to add to your inventory and stuff and it was worded in a confusing way so you might have to explain that to me there was just one thing in it that was confusing to me and that was uh how i need because i i'm the one that does the paperwork for our debt because we're in debt. yeah so the- and that part i didn't understand what she's trying to say but I, she was like oh here's an item that you get and here's your gold i understood that perfectly i just i don't understand exactly what i need to do with the bill okay Uh, I'm not criticizing or anything. I just personally don't understand it. That's all on me. Oh Yeah, I mean, no no context, so... And I got my stuff here with me today. It's in my car, so I can grab it, and we can do that and level up if you guys did. I don't think we did. did Uh,
1: I told the group uh, after the session that next session they will have earned a fourth-level slot, so we can do
0: that today if you want. If not, we can do it whenever it's convenient. It's whatever. I wasn't there, so you don't even have to give it to me if you don't want to. But... uh, Yeah, so this was the most recent session. I'm just gonna let you tell me a wonderful story and I'm gonna enjoy how you just, react. You just stop me if you ever
1: get confused or you wanna talk about something. So uh, last session, uh, or I should say this session, uh Vaughn first thing he wanted to do was just pawn off the silverware that he had gotten from the previous session. Of course. Uh, we everyone of course. <laughs> everyone started off their day. Um, with the mindset of okay, we're gonna go deal with the dragon today. Right, I do remember that was what we had to do. Um, so the because you because Mira wasn't present, Terry really wanted to fill the role of keeping an eye out for the group for warned shenanigans.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad someone uh, I'm glad someone filled my niche because yeah, I'm the one that kind of makes him behave. He he wasn't as good as you, but
1: then again, only having one person rather than two, made it a little bit easier for him. But he still did a
0: good job. He didn't didn't cross any lines, didn't put anybody yeah. in jeopardy. He's Brock, and I'm Misty. But instead of sexual harassment, he just steals things. <laughs> Can we talk about Brock for a second? No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> so the party wakes up, and uh, Terry and Vaughn are the first ones up. Um, and they're like, before we do anything, I want to go to the pawn shop. And Terry's... He, Vane is still getting her dress and everything on. And, um, and they're
0: all in the same room? No, they're
1: not. They're Okay. I'm trying to set this stage. Uh, everyone kind of woke up separately, but then everyone reconvened later. But so, Vorn wakes up kind of early because he wants to sneak out and pawn the stolen goods that he got from the carnival ship the other day. Of course. And Vane is distracted. She's in her own room. She's getting her dress ready. But as soon as Vorn rounds the corner to, to leave the commons area of the... The tavern, Terry's like, Where are you going, Vorn?
0: <laughs> Where are you going, Vorn? He's just in the corner. Yeah, actually, he was. <laughs> um, what are you doing there, Terry? I was here all night, Vorn. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is the same Terry who stayed up all night in a pigeon poop riddled watchtower. He just watchtowl. let those birds
0: poop on him. Wonderful. Um, But so, <laughs>
1: Vorn is like, uh, I want to. I want, to, I want to try and deceive him, tell him where I'm going. And uh, he tells him, he says he's going to the pawn shop and uh, to, to get rid of some personal items. And he's just deceptive enough that Terry believes him, but not deceptive enough to throw Terry off his trail. He's like, I want to go with you. <laughs> uh, and he says, like, uh, why? He says, because I am bored or something like that. <laughs> So the both of them, the two of them, go to the pawn shop that uh, Vorn went to previously to pawn off the gemstones. And um, while he's working on forking over the forks, uh, <laughs> Terry just decides that he wants to kind of browse the pawn shop's goods and trinkets. Vorn winds up getting approximately uh, five gold pieces and five silver pieces for. The seal, the silverware. It's
0: pretty good. It is actually. <laughs> actually.
1: The uh, the pawn shop one was only going to give him five gold pieces, one for each <clears throat> fork, knife, and spoon that he had gotten.
0: That still seems like a lot.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you think about it, but then again, you also got to realize, you know, time and effort play into the price of this stuff too. Plus, it was really, really fine silverware, um, and so Vorn managed to convince him because Vorn wanted two pieces of gold for each piece. And so they met halfway in the middle through haggling at one gold piece and one silver piece. Okay. Uh, Terry, on the other hand, uh, I love doing this because he wanted to look at all the knickknacks and see if there was anything that stood out. And so I got to break out the trinket uh, list from the player's handbook. Oh, nice. Which requires a D100 to roll. And I said, I need you to roll your percentile to die to see if anything stands out. I love it. And uh, he rolled and he noticed a purple monogrammed handkerchief with the name Hallister Black Cloak on it. He did not know what it meant what the name meant it sounded familiar but he didn't bother to roll a history check so I said nothing. Um, <laughs> I don't remember. But he uh, he haggled it and he managed to get the handkerchief for a single gold piece uh,
0: which you know was a little bit high. Especially with someone else's name on it. Yeah.
1: Um, but uh, the party uh, eventually reconvened back at the tavern, and they got both some good news and some bad
0: news. Oh God, um, I'm on the edge of my seat. The first thing, that edging. <laughs> the first, <laughs> I will
1: say this: when regards to this session, this is not the first time I've said Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so. Vane comes down from the, the commons area of the tavern, and Vorn and Terry are reconvening in the front lawn, so everyone's kind of grouped back together. But the first thing they all notice as they get back to their business and place of abode is there is a paddy wagon and a small group of armed guards escorting a very angry Emic Froon from his premises. Hell yeah, pig pins going to the pig pin. <laughs> And a, um, and a sergeant, uh, he's not really a sergeant, but I, I explained the rank. He's basically a sergeant. The equivalent of. Yeah. Uh, a sergeant by the name of Smith Pudgenson. Pudgenson. I love it. A halfling sergeant in the City Watch approaches the party and informs them that Froon has been arrested on... Let me see what were the grounds for. Uh, he was arrested... Uh, After a serious investigation and interrogation of parties involved, Emmick Faroon has been arrested on charges of fraternizing with known criminals and damaging citizens of Waterdeep's property and reputation. Uh, He will be tried in front of a magister over the next 10 days, in which case he will be most likely found guilty, uh, but that verdict is yet to be determined. So do we get to sue or... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, that some of the party did ask about that, and they said, well, we will convene with you about that once the final verdict has been decided. Everything I say past this point is simply speculation about the case involving Emic Froon. But as soon as a decision has been made by a magister uh, at Castle Waterdeep, uh, we will notify you about any pending damages to be paid. Nice. Uh, however, this is uh, the best news that I have for you. There is some rather uh, disappointing news as well. Uh, are you familiar or, or do you recollect the night of two ten days ago when you were witness to a drow assailant murdering a city watch guard?
0: I, I remember that, yeah. Did uh, they?
1: Well, well, yeah, they, they did. They said, oh yeah, that was at the night of the opera. Like, well, we regret to inform you but the suspect in question has escaped custody. E. <laughs> um he informs.
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, he says. Eee. Continue. <clears throat> uh, he informs them of that. Uh, informing them of her escape was vital as they were not necessarily the ones responsible for her being caught, but they were present and they did play a part in it. And they wanted to let you guys know in case uh, she sought uh, repercussions for your involvement. Um, he also included a lot of information about the investigation that they had on with her. They determined, were able to determine that her first name is Felrecht, but they were not able to discern a last name. She is working with a new and up-and-coming gang in the city, and when, at the time of her escape, she... There was no sign of forced exit or forced entry from any alternative party. And the pistol, that is what we have taken to calling the weapon she used to kill the guard, was also taken from the evidence area with no sign of forced entry or exit as well. It is almost as if she simply walked out of the jail with nobody noticing. Hmm. 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 Uh, so the party was notified. They're like, okay, thank you so much, officer, for keeping us apprised of that. Um, we will, of course, do our civic duty to let you know if we see or hear anything. Um, and he says, and likewise, we will keep you appraised of the current
0: situations as well for your safety. And everyone's gunning for us. In this case, literally.
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, Oh, yeah. Vorn was also given a note by the sergeant before he left. Uh, It was signed by... um, Let me guess. It said pay your taxes. Close, actually. It was signed by um, Blastwind, um, the guy who's... That's what they
0: called me in college. Uh (laughs) I ripped ass a lot
1: <laughs> in the door. Barnabas Blaswin, he was uh, given a note signed by Barnabas Blaswin, addressed to Vorn, and the note was actually an apology. Really? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the note basically said, and I, I handed Matt a sticky note with all the information, he said that we it took us a while, but we found the documents regarding your stay and visit in Waterdeep. Your taxes have actually been paid. We apologize for hassling you on that matter. And that uh, as long as there are no further delays on regular payments, there will be no further hassle on this matter. Huh.
0: Did his little thievy friends in, uh, arrange that? Or? We'll get to that. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, the party
1: then decides that uh, there are a couple other matters that they want to attend to. Nothing from guilds. This is all personal stuff. And decide that the dragon will be the last bill
0: for the day. There's <laughs> a dragon terrorizing the bay, but it was fine. Well, he's, he's more like just pranking. It's people. more like, yeah, it's more like just uh, annoying. Um, so, the first thing that the party decides to do is they all want to pay a visit to Vane's parents' house. Of course, I miss that. Of course, I miss meeting the parents. Um, Crap, that would have been so fun. <laughs> it it, it kind of was, but not for the reason you think. Oh, so,
1: Vane, and, Vane goes to her parents' house, and the part, rest of the party goes. Um, she wants to pay off some of her loan that she owes to her parents, as well as uh, propose some new business ideas for uh, the latest line and magically enhanced
0: uh, poop pots for royalties. I'm sure. Oh,
1: of course. (laughs) Um, so Vane's parents—the dad—is really just a a jerk businessman, and he has no expectations of his daughter. Uh, what with her prior behavior, uh, drinking in public and fraternizing with those of lower stature, uh, the mom she
0: literally turned her act around in a day. I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, but again,
1: her her. So the the first thing that her dad says to her when she walks in the door is, "I'm so sorry to hear about your failing business." Oof, Jesus! Is it my dad? Christ! Because <laughs> all he heard was that it was infested with rats uh, and that. Uh, they they The profits took a hit because of it.
0: No, hello. <laughs> no, how are you? And so here's
1: the thing is that she tells her dad that he says, no, I've just come. The, the business is doing fine. Everything actually has been handled. That wasn't our fault. There was a, a criminal rival involved. And we got confirmation this morning that he was arrested and is being dealt with by the law. I just came by to give you some ideas for your business and uh, to pay off my debt that I owe you guys. And the dad, I I'm, I don't like role playing. A holes, but it was required for this moment. And uh, Vane is getting ready to hand over just 13 gold pieces to pay off part of her debt. And guess what Vorn the Chad does? Mm-hmm. Do tell. Uh, he proceeds to take. Uh, so after Vane pays the 13 gold to her dad, he's like nickel and diming it in his little notebook. Uh, and God, then, that is my dad. <laughs> and then Vorn proceeds to take a big old sack of gold, exactly 204 pieces left to pay off her debt, and throws it on their coffee table.
0: Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> and what? Uh, You're right, that was a Chad moment. As we said a couple episodes ago, he takes care of his... own. Um, yeah, and I I rolled an inside check
1: for the dad to see if he would be c- curious about where this money came from, from a shady-looking figure who is only known through his daughter. But he rolled super low, and so his, he's got, like, money signs in his eyes. He's like, like a big
0: old Bugs <laughs> Bunny character.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he didn't care where the gold came from, uh, and Vane was like... Oh my god, Vorn, you didn't have to do that. And uh, Vorn's like, he was being a dick. Anything to embarrass the rich, okay? (laughs) Anything. He says, I'm going to make this up anyways by stealing from other nobles anyway. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'll just steal it later. (laughs) It's fine. He he didn't say that. Of course. Because we would not have approved.
1: But then, uh, I I do have to give Vane some concerning looks. Because I knew what she was trying to do with this next segment. Uh, it didn't work. I called her little scheme, but so basically, what she did is she did go through a, a business uh, venture with her dad. She 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 had a whole list of ideas of magical enchantments that you could put on uh, called, or uh, chamber pots, um, and she said, uh, "I, I want to leave this with you, dad. But before I go, can I get my <laughs> my uh, bottomless kitty litter box?" And she didn't tell me about
0: this. Oh, she yeah, just gotta, sprung it on me. You gotta <clears throat> confirm with that DM. Yeah. She
1: she, she, wa- she wanted to imply that she had this bag of holding in the form of a cat-sized chamber pot up in her room. Because we had been talking about her wanting to get a bag of holding for a while. And I said, just ask around and buy one. If, if you have the money, There, you can buy them from any reputable magic dealer in town. They're just expensive. Uh, and I was... I didn't tell her no, but what I did tell her is that when a butler went up to check, uh, he regretted to inform her that that particular uh, chamber pot was involved with an incident regarding an actual bag of holding, and now both reside on an alternative <laughs> plane of existence. Oof. So no bottomless chamber pot, I'm afraid. Uh, whack. Um, let's see. The party... Uh, then proceeded to go meet the woman with the diving apparatus because we didn't talk about that in the previous podcast, but the party had heard after they got the mission from Vajra Zafar that um, there was a woman in the dock ward who was working on a diving device that would allow players to explore uh, underwater areas in the harbor for extended periods of time. And they thought, oh well, maybe we can convince this woman to let us use it to go find this dragon, since it's kind of swimming around in the harbor. Um, and they do find her place of abode through some investigation checks. Her name is Grinda Garloth, and she is working on a diving apparatus. And the biggest, I loved kind of explaining this to the party because the inspiration for explaining it came from. Well, let me see if you can guess where the 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 reference was. So they go there. And Grinda is kind of an older human wizard. She's got kind of a beehive hairdo, solid white, purple. And this device that she's working on is essentially a submarine that is shaped like a crab. It's got a a giant hull that you can access. It's got pincers and little, little legs. But upon seeing it and asking Grinda if they can use it, she says, normally I would be happy to charge you a fee and let you use it, but this device... Has been on hold for two weeks because a blasted dragon in the harbor has caused the last and most significant piece of this device to sink into the harbor. And they said, well, what was it? It says the power source. It is a fist sized glowing stone that I have ordered from Chult that is used to power this submarine like device.
0: Dinotopia. Yes. Oh my God, I can't believe I got that right. (laughs) Oh um, yeah! Wow, I haven't watched that since I was a little kid, and I still
1: remember. It, it's hard to forget. Oh, Whoa. But so she she tells the party that. Did anyone
0: else catch it? By the way, no, no one. Fantopia was lit.
1: It was. Now she, uh, the party. Uh, she does tell the party that the dragon was responsible for startling the crew of the ship that was supposed to be bringing it to shore the crate that it was in fell to the bottom of the harbor and she hasn't seen it since and that was two weeks ago. Um, And she says, if you get it back for me, I would be very grateful. And Vorn, without missing a beat, is like, what do you pay us?
0: Uh, How about use of the crab machine?
1: Actually, she did say that. She said that uh, she does not have the funds on hand to pay you uh, in, you know, metric units. But she said that, uh, how about, uh, when available, free use and access to the diving apparatus when you
0: want. And they thought, heck yeah, we'll look for buried treasure. Too bad they didn't have the lizard folk with them to get something from underwater. Dang. But, uh, but
1: one of them did ask, um, okay, first off, we're more than happy to help you, but what can we do uh, to do this? And she said, well, I've actually tried... Hiring a bunch of privateers or just anyone who is willing to work uh, this opportunity, uh, but no one wants to go diving in waters where a dragon is swimming around. And so she says, "But if you're you're willing and you're able, uh, I have just the thing to help you." And she pulls out a crate full of potions of uh, potions of water, water breathing. breathing. And I described it. I said they look like. Um, They're circular vials filled with swirling blue liquid that looks like it has brine and all kinds of other debris floating in it, like sand. Um, It's not actually sand, but potions all kind of have these unique visual designs. And she said, if you drink this before diving into the water, you will have up to an hour of free breathing and the ability to speak and communicate underwater in languages that you know. And I thought, okay, cool, that's awesome. And she directed them to where the place where the the crate slipped off into the water, and said that you may want to start um, going there. And Terry says, "Well, I do not require air, and it says so in my character description that I do not require air to function. So I will not need a uh, a potion of water breathing. You get in trouble
0: swimming though, You have to walk there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so here's the thing: uh, the the dinghy that Grinda." let them borrow, did have a little 30-pound anchor, and uh, they, they tied it off so that it, the, the dinghy would be there when they got back. Vorn proceeds to just swim to the bottom. Vane uses the rope as a guide to kind of guide herself down to the bottom. Smart. Meanwhile, Terry just jumps into the water,
0: and he sinks like a rock. <laughs> he just stands completely still, completely erect. He just <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I said, well, congratulations, Terry. Yeah, yeah, you don't require air to breathe, nor do you have to worry about communicating underwater, but uh, you weigh significantly more than everyone else, and you have a harder time swimming. Boy, well, just- see, have you heard of it? <laughs> you're made of metal and wood. Yeah, you're going to sink. Um. Uh. Let me see. So, they find some debris that indicates the breaking of a crate on the floor of the harbor, and they Unless start. the dragon
0: has the stone, right?
1: They kind of start following <laughs> some trails. Yeah, and they they come across uh, two areas. Uh, they they see on one side where the harbor starts to kind of drift into deeper water, a sunken ship. And on the other one, they see a shark swimming in circles above their head about 500 feet away. What kind? Uh, they couldn't tell exactly, but a shark is a shark. A shark is a shark. They could. Uh, they did try some some investigation checks to see specifically what kind, but they, they didn't... They get up,
0: it's a street shark. <laughs> <laughs> it's just got fists. Coral bunga. Jawsome. I don't think they ever said Coral Bunga in the show, but I think it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but they they, they they didn't roll very
1: high on their investigations to tell what type of shark was a threat, but they scored high enough that they could tell by the distinct dorsal fin and the way the tail was swimming that it was, in fact, a type of shark species. And then it dove very quickly into what appeared to be a sea cave, uh, a seafloor cave. Okay, so was the shark a polymorph dragon or what? Well, they decided that they wanted nothing to do with where the shark went, so they decided they were going to
0: investigate the sunken ship first. Even though the shark was clearly you leading them somewhere. Maybe, maybe it was. (laughs) Um, So, uh,
1: they decide to go to the ship. Terry and Vane are swimming, or uh, Vorn and Vane are swimming. Terry's just kind of like Terminator walking on on the (laughs) sea floor. Um, And they start investigating the ship. And they're like, well, can we see anything from the outside? I mean, if it is where the dragon is hiding, we don't want to surprise it. Or if something else is there, we don't want to be caught off guard. And uh, they said, well, if you really don't want to get any closer, you know, give me either a perception or investigation check to see if you notice anything. Vane and Terry didn't see Jack. This is just a sunken ship on the floor. Uh, Vorn, on the other hand, can see in this medium-sized hole in the side of the ship that there are some sparkly bits. As the sun rays come through the surface of the water, it's catching the light on something. Gotcha. And he's like,
0: I see shinies! I see shinies.
1: Um, and so they go in through the top of the ship. They're starting with the main deck, and they go down to the second level. And it is full of what looks to be a crew quarters and a galley. It's There's nothing of value there really, but there's, there's some items and artifacts that... Uh, tell the story of uh, part of the ship's life on, or the crew's life on the ship and then they go down to the very bottom part of the ship and they see it is I described to them a mound of gold coins raw treasure such as pearls and coral that is roughly the size of the gaming table and three feet high Ooh. and Vorn and Vane are like dragon horde <laughs> of course um now uh Without missing a beat, Vorn just proceeds to start stuffing his pockets. Of Vane tries to, but she didn't realize that she was still in her morning dress. Oh. So, like, it's all flowing and it's really hard to move around. I mean, she can kind of swim forward, but it's, it's not easy to get access to the pockets, so she doesn't get anything. Vorn manages to get, like, two fistfuls of treasure, and Terry says, I will just stand watch. <laughs> it's like, okay. All right, Terry. Uh, And uh, after about five minutes of being left alone in the ship, uh, I I tell Terry, I said, you begin to see the silhouette of what looks like something flying underwater. It has a very fairly large wingspan, and it seems to be snaking through the water like a serpent. Nice. And uh, he says, I do not know for certain, for it is still a ways away, but I believe the dragon is on its way back. And uh, Vane and... Vorn immediately stop trying to shovel stuff in their pocket, and they're just trying to, like, look innocent and stuff. (laughs) Like, oh, there's treasure on the ship? We don't know. And Mm -hmm. it takes the dragon approximately 30 seconds from the time uh, Terry spotted it for it to arrive at the ship. And it immediately slinks down into the ship, coils itself around the treasure, and with a very toothy grin says, well met, (laughs) for it is a brass dragon. More like an ash Oh, no, no, dragon. no, no. no is a bronze
0: dragon. More like a... Okay, I, I don't have an immediate wordplay for bronze, but still, you get the point. <laughs>
1: uh, it is a bronze dragon who introduces himself as Xelophar, and he is curious as to why the party is down here in a ship. And the party tells him that uh, we were sent by the, the black staff of Waterdeep to investigate a dragon who is causing problems for some of its sailors. They didn't lie. Uh... Vorn is still like trying to keep the temperature of the water regulated.
0: Uh, By peeing.
1: Yeah, because he does have dragon's treasure in his pocket. And
0: it's, he is urinating, of
1: and, course. And I said, and uh, this dragon isn't huge. It is a young bronze dragon. That's what I figured. Uh, it's not a wormling. Wormlings are roughly the same size as a medium creature. Yeah. This dragon is not near. Usually, ancient or adult dragons are the size of ships or even castles. This dragon is roughly about four times the size of one of the players. So it's it's, an, it's a young dragon. Yeah, I get it. Capable of, of things, speech, up. has some magical abilities, but is still very naive to certain things. And uh, he, he believes the party story. And he, he tells him, he says, well, I wasn't meaning to cause problems. I was simply practicing my sneak attacks. Uh, and he, <laughs> he keeps bringing up all of these militaristic mannerisms. Um, uh-huh. about like sneak attacks and ambushes and the party then asks him "Is like well what is your intention here if you don't want to hurt people and everything like that and he tells them that he actually wants to um, become affiliated with the city of Waterdeep and wants to become like one of its protectors
0: oh he wants to be an earth defender kaiju
1: Something like that. (laughs) Uh, He wants an audience with the Open Lords of Waterdeep, and you can kind of see his inexperience because there's only one Open Lord of Waterdeep. Of course, Uh, there are multiple Hidden Lords, but he clearly is kind of ignorant to all of the details. But he wants the Hidden
0: Lords.
1: (laughs) He wants an audience with some political, with uh, some members of politics in the city to basically put up a sales pitch of why I want to be a defender of the city. Um, Because the thing about bronze dragons is they are obsessed with military standards. They are the warriors of the metallic dragons and they love being in charge of mortals and organizing them in such a way that they can fight whatever evil force comes up against them. Um, So he's trying to get in with the Lords of Waterdeep and they're like, that's actually really cool. I'm sure they'd love that, but why don't you just go see them yourself? And he explains to them that um, he cannot enter the immediate border of the city for some unknown magical reason. He explains to them that every time he tries to get close to the the exit of the docks into the city, something just repels him. And Mm -hmm. he physically cannot enter the city proper. So he is simply doing his best to practice and become stronger in the harbor until he somehow finds a way to get access.
0: Huh.
1: Um, the party then asks him about the power source. And he says, um, you, you talking about this? And he, he goes into his hoard and he pulls out a glowing orb. And um, they tell him that... Uh, they said, yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for. And he says, well... Uh, this is a valuable piece of magical uh, technology. I, I don't know. If, I've only just met you. I don't think I can fully trust you. You seem like good people, but I don't know. I, I'd be willing to trade it for either 50 gold pieces or a piece of sunken treasure somewhere else. Um, and Vorn gets the bright idea. Of to just, give him his gold bank? No. To okay. Try
0: and so he didn't pull a
1: Connor. <laughs> Thorne actually wanted. He told me himself as a player. He said, "I want to try and trick the dragon to go to where that shark was and get them to fight each other, and then so we can make a clean getaway."
0: All right. And that was my reaction. Um, yeah, I don't I completely understand <laughs> what's happening here, yeah. but
1: fine. So uh, I said, "Okay, so, so what do you tell the dragon?" And he says. Uh, he says, well, I saw some 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 raw treasure. Like, uh, I noticed in your your hoard, you, you've got lots of multicolored coral. He says, oh, yes, I especially prize pink coral. He says, well, I know that there's a pink... <laughs> this dragon is an environmental disaster. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, he, as he puts it he's a fan of rare coral not the, the cheap stuff I they're, guess they're rare because you keep destroying it bud. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's rare fam um, but so uh, he Vorn tells the dragon he says well I know for a fact there's a pink coral bed over there in that sea cave about a thousand feet from here and the dragon's like great so go get it and I'll trade it for <laughs> you
0: Ooh,
1: got him um,
0: absolutely got him <laughs>
1: Yeah, the dragon's not stupid. Holy! I think tits. I think Vorn failed a persuasion check. I think he rolled like a ten, and oh the dragon these saw right through these him. These
0: are ancient noble critters, man. and
1: uh, and so um, you
0: got it. you just got warned.
1: Um, and so the. So He tries another persuasion check. I don't remember the exact words, but he does... I just
0: felt something on my crotch. I thought it was your foot. It's the dog's head. She's (laughs) (laughs) She's begging for love. Um, Continue. So,
1: so Vorn does manage to get the dragon to accompany them to the the, the, the seafloor cave. And uh, he's like, all right, there's the cave. Go down there and get your treasure. And he says, like, you're getting this for me. I don't even have to be out here right now. And so the dragon is like Why are you Because Vorn wants the dragon to go in first he's, And the dragon catches on He's like why do you want me to go in there first And he says well there may be sharks or something And he's like sharks are you talking about Oblitatrix mm-hmm. uh, And he said And Vorn's like excuse me who And he says are you telling me that you got me all the way out here So that I would get involved With Oblitatrix over some pink coral at the bottom of this cave. And Born says something to the dragon. And the dragon just goes... I'm leaving. <laughs> who's, a,
0: who's... What?
1: So, apparently... There is a shark by the name of Oblutrix... That the dragon was already familiar with... That the party was not. Nor were they made aware of. So, the party thinks that this shark that they saw swimming around... Is the shark that the dragon is worried about. And... Um, So the dragon clearly wants nothing to do with this. And he tells the party, he's like, you know what? You get me the coral that I want, and then we'll talk. But before leaving, Terry pipes up and says, what if we get you an audience with uh, the Black Staff of Waterdeep?
0: Wait, they didn't think of that earlier?
1: No, they didn't.
0: You're joking.
1: They waited until all the shenanigans happened. That
0: wasn't the first thing they said to him.
1: I literally told them that this dragon wanted
0: an audience... And then if you're goofing on me. I'm not. You guys suck. I know, <laughs> I know every single one of you is listening to this. <laughs> Y'all, come on, guys. Guys. They they
1: they finally make <laughs> a latch ever. Terry just decides to say, you know what, forget it. We're not ruining the environment, and we're not <laughs> we're not pulling a fast one on this dragon. Let's just give him an audience with a high-ranking member of Waterdeep Society. Guys. And the dragon says, that's Perfect. And Terry actually convinces the dragon to go ahead and give them the power source. He's so excited. Oh, dang. He's so excited uh, to have a meeting because they've already shown him their gray hand badges. So they already have an in with Vajra. And so by showing them the badges and making this offer, the dragon's like, here, take it. I'll, I need to go make myself presentable. Um, and what they found put- a little bow tie? God, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Please tell me you did that. N- no.
0: A little little bow tie. It's a little coral-shaped
1: bow tie, or bow tie-shaped coral. Aww. Anyways, um, so the, the party then says, "Okay, good. We got what we wanted. Let's let's get out of here." We've we've determined that the dragon is not hostile. If anything, it wants to help the city more than hurt it. And we got the power source that we needed to get uh, Grinda. Uh, so they proceed to go back up to the ship. Uh, and the dragon actually followed them back to their ship and helped Terry into the boat. Uh-huh. Picked him up like a little doll. A little tear bear. Um, and so the they, they part ways finally with the dragon for that point. And they they raise anchor and they're they're actually quite a good ways out away from the main harbor. Um, so they had to kind of start rowing their way back. And they notice that roughly in the direction of the sea cave, they see what looks like a, a shark. Close enough that it's, they can tell, like, okay, it's about a eight, nine foot... Long shark, and they said, "Oh, that must be a because We ought to steer clear of him." Uh, and he's, it's he's, cold he's, black like a double. Size. And he's trying to eat uh, a pelican. Um, the, the shark is like trying to leap out of the water and get a pelican, but it's not having much luck. And pelican, the part, more like pelican. And I was like, "Oh, that's that, that's it's a good thing he's all the way over there. That would be dangerous." And then all of a sudden, this thirty-foot shark Ooh. leaps out of the water, eats the smaller shark, and then they see the fin
0: make their way towards their boat that's literally <laughs> that's that's like isn't that how like the first act or the second act of the Meg ends
1: I have, I've never seen the Meg so I don't know well it's very mediocre
0: so <laughs> but so,
1: so now they're in a chase with this giant shark and uh, Bourne's like let's go <laughs> uh, and so this chase was a little bit different because they're not running they they're just using a little boat. And uh, so I, I, I asked them each, like, you, can all, you each get 10 foot of movement in this little rowboat. And on your bonus action, you can either cast spells to either hinder the shark, or you can use spells or actions to try and improve your speed. So I was very pleased with what Vorn did. He actually cast Mage Hand and had it grab one of the spare oars in the boat, uh. and he added... 10 extra feet of movement. Who needs Mara?
0: <laughs> Who needs me? I'm not needed. You guys got Mage Hand. Um,
1: well, so So then Terry, all Terry could think to do because he has no spells and all of his stuff is close range focused. So, he turns
0: into a motor like a transformer?
1: <laughs> well, he he. I was thinking he might try and pick up two paddles and just start going with one in each hand. Barbarian, of course. But uh, he didn't do that. He just said, I want to make strength checks to try and increase our speed. And he did that. And then Mira is casting spells like that one clip of Moon Knight where he's just going, random bullshit, go. <laughs> I love those
0: Moon Knight edits. Those are so fun.
1: Um, and the, 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 shark, uh, the shark is like so much faster than they are. But they just managed to get to the shore um, when... Uh, the shark finally catches up to them. And they're on the dock. They're out of the boat. And the shark catches up to them. And it's like in that movie, it, Super Shark,
0: where can come on land. But,
1: but as they're they're docking the boat, they notice that an old man is standing there waiting for them. And they recognize it as Hlaam, the old man who was at the top of Mount Waterdeep from a side quest you guys did earlier.
0: Oh, what's he doing all the way down there?
1: Well, as he told them... In just, He'll tell them in just a second, but he is waiting for them to hear their report and report back to Vajra. Because, you know, a dragon, no one knows how significant the threat might be. And he wanted to make okay. sure that the information was gotten as soon as possible. And this shark jumps out of the water, is about to land where they are trying to get at them. Does he punch the shark? Um, and the, the, so Terry actually grabs Everyone's running past him But Terry grabs his wrist He's like You should not be here citizen And I said Make a dexterity check Or make, it, make a strength check And uh, he failed uh, Against Hlam's dexterity counter check and uh, as the shark comes down, he takes the flat part of his palm and he hits the shark in the nose. And the shark just goes flying back 40 feet, landing back first into the water, belly up.
0: God, that sounds like the worst and best kung fu movie of all time. <laughs> He'd leave the crap out of that shark.
1: And everybody else in the party is like, okay, level 20 NPC, fuck we me. We are not
0: needed in this city, alright? We are not needed here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And and Huam just very casually turns around and says, do you have the information that Lady Vajra uh, requested? And they they said, oh yeah, they tell her the whole story. Which reminds me, there was something else um, before the shenanigans with trying to trick the dragon. uh, The dragon also gave the party a side quest. Oh. And I completely forgot this information. Um, Because... a bunch of stuff I had already had planned, and it was, I had just forgotten to talk about it right now. But the dragon said that after you report back to the the Black Hand of Waterdeep, um, if you're I interested, it was, what is, I thought it was Gray. Sorry, the Gray Hand. Oh, I okay. someone actually did say Black Hand, uh, and I said, uh, no, 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 do not get the Black Hand and the Gray Hands confused, because there is an organization. In Dungeon Dragons called the Black Hand, and they are evil. I was like, wait. <laughs> uh, but no, um, the dragon told them. he says, I've been doing some recon missions on some of the ships that are coming and going from the, the harbor. And there's one in particular. It's real shiny. It's got a lot of colors on it. But it's got this mechanism on the bottom of it that I thought was really suspicious. And I thought, well, did you catch the name of the ship? And he said, I did. It was called the Eye Catcher. Okay. Which is one of Zordozad's ships. Yep. Uh, so the party agreed that after they returned... i uh, and, sorry. And the dragon said that... He says, I, I don't want you to put yourselves in danger. Just find out what you can about this and report back to me. Yeah. Whether you, you look at it from the outside or you go into the ship and sneak on. Whatever you want to do is fine. Just as long as you get something new that I haven't already gotten.
0: That would have and, been a good jump for me, Mrs. Swimming Speed.
1: And... Um, and, uh, the dragon said, and if you do this, I'll give you a part of my horn.
0: We already have part... You know what? Never mind. Yeah, we'll do. Born <laughs> actually almost made that mistake.
1: <laughs> 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 um, God. But so, yeah, so that they go back to Hwam and they tell him everything that happened with the dragon and why it was here, and, uh, he said, uh, Lady Vajra will want to hear this, and, uh... We will see what we can do about setting up a meeting. We don't typically let our highest-ranking protectors and leaders uh, come face-to-face with any unknown threats. But if it is a brass dragon and its intentions are honorable, then I see that other than using up some time, there will be no reason not to set up a meeting. Um, Klam then leaves. Despite the party wanted to talk to him more, but he just kind of like pieces out. Halam, I hardly know him. <laughs> uh, and they said, okay, well that mission's done. Let's go talk to Grinda and see about uh, the um,
0: the submarine, or the I just call it the diving apparatus. Which now I guess you can use to spawn the ship or whatever. Um,
1: and uh, she was very grateful to receive the power source back, and uh, told them that once the the ship is repaired, it should take a ten day. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Yeah, that's
0: quite a while. Because <laughs> the, the thing is... that this they wrote down these quests. <laughs> Yo, <know>, they did.
1: <laughs> I know I did. But the party... Um, let's see. Was uh, they... Uh, a bunch of
0: little kissable mysteries.
1: Yeah, they, uh, they were very eager to come back in a week or ten days and use the diving device. Um, Vorn... Then uh, decides yeah. that he wants to go meet up with Davil Starsong, his Zentrum leader at the Yawning Portal, and Vane wants to accompany him um, because he's looking for some work. Um, while Vorn is speaking with Davil, Vane is... Wanting to advertise and promote the business, so she's not overhearing any of his conversation.
0: Is she advertising and promoting our bar and another bar? Yes. Not cool. <laughs> not cool at all. That's okay
1: because she failed a bunch of stuff.
0: That's not. That's not coochie gang. That's uh, not Gundam. Durden
1: actually had uh, uh, something to say to her, but I'll get to that in just a minute. He'd, he'll kick her butt. He's tough. um. So Vorn met uh, with Davil. And Vorn uh, had some questions that he wanted to uh, ask um, Davil. And Dabble said, oh, well, this is perfect. I've got some questions I'd like to ask you as well. And Vorn... Uh, what did Vorn want to ask him again? I didn't make that note down. Robert um, Raggy. He wanted to ask him something, but it was, it was very vague. It had something to do with the... Oh, yeah, he wanted to ask him... About buying the business that Froon used to owe wow. when it went onto the market because he wanted to expand.
0: Doesn't uh, oh. can... really seem like the best idea. <laughs>
1: uh, and um, uh, so Dabble said, "Yeah, no problem. We'll keep ears to the ground and we'll let you know if anything comes up. And who knows? Maybe we can get you a discount or whatever the city would would pay you for, would, would require you to pay for it." And he said, "But." now it's our turn for our question. Are he, and they said, are you familiar with an organization by the name of Brigandareth?" Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, know him? I'm currently working for him. And they said, oh,
0: him? No, that's my wife. I'm into boomer humor these days.
1: <laughs> uh, and, and Dabble asked him, like, well, how so? And he says, well, I know this guy named J.B. Nevercott who approached me the other day about doing some jobs for him. And... Uh, yeah, just some small-time uh, wet work stuff, and uh, they want to see if I'm worth their time. And they say, well, how did you do? And, and Vaughn said, well, I, I did their first trial mission successfully, and they paid me really well. Uh, all I had to do was steal a handkerchief from a noble and then drop it off at a specific location, and they seemed to be really interested. And Davil said, okay, since you're so new, we, we're we not going to force this on you. There are veteran Members of us that could do something like this, no problem. But seeing as you already have an in with them, because uh, we were wondering if you would spy on them for us. And so Davel wants to use this connection that Vorn has made to get an in. And he explained to them, he says, We don't know these guys. They are a newcomer to this city. We don't need, we've already got our hands full with the Xanathar Guild. And all these other problems with the city. We don't need a new gang coming in. You're causing us more grief. If
0: you hear that squeaking, that is (laughs) dog.
1: And so Davil said, uh, if you don't want to do this, that's fine. No pressure. But if you do, we will pay you handsomely to uh, act as a double agent for us. And uh, Bourne said, well, which one pays more? And they said, well, we're not going to pay you if you choose to opt out, we're just going to get someone more qualified to make connections anyway. Wait, did he really
0: ask what pays more, doing the job or not doing the job? Yes, he did. God, (laughs) that's, that's brain fart number two. Um, and so, so, God, I love this group so much. So
1: Vord agrees (laughs) to do the job and he says that the next time that I run into them or the next time, JB. Nevercott makes a contact with me. I will keep that in mind. And um, that's that. Meanwhile, Vane uh has, teem- Vayne has teamed up with this other bard in the tavern. And I, I said this bard is very distinct because he's, he seems to be a very young man and he's playing a lute. but the lute, which traditionally has four strings, only seems to have three. And she says, Well, I want to sing with this guy and I wanna like do a bunch of ditties for our bar. I said, Okay, make a performance check. And so I have her roll a performance check, and I have him roll a performance check. And I she says no
0: one's gonna step in and be and be like, hey Vane, maybe don't do this. So uh, okay. she rolls an eight and I said
1: <laughs> and I said, Yeah, you're you're actually <laughs> kind of singing off key. You're not really impressing a lot of people, and some people are just trying to bury their faces in their mugs of ale to ignore you. And she said, "Aw," And I said, but you're not the only one alone in this, because the bard you're playing with rolled a one.
0: Oh, no.
1: And so he's just making it even worse. He's drunk off his ass, uh, making a fool of a mockery of himself. And Dernan comes over to you, both of you, with a mug in each hand, and says, I will give you both a free ale if you will stop making that racket. (laughs) Okay. To which they accept and don't make any more noise until Vorn is ready to go.
0: (laughs) Whack. Absolutely whack. Um,
1: At this point, uh, let's see. Uh, Oh, yes. uh, Everyone reconvenes at the tavern. And... They kiss. Chip's brother... Or one of Chip's brothers is waiting for you at the tavern, and asks it, his. Uh, he says, "I am Chip's brother. Uh, my name is Doll, and I was wanting to." Chip know... Chip and Doll. You're also the first one to catch on to that.
0: Chip and Doll. Ch 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 Chip and Doll. <laughs> Don't spit out your water. Careful, bud. That was a really good Disney Plus movie, by the way. It was really well scripted. Incredible film.
1: Um, but what I was saying, um. He, they, chimping fucking dog sorry continue I still can't believe that nobody else in the party you, you are the first one to catch all these references <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I can make you um, happy <laughs> but uh, so he he approaches the party and he, he asks them that uh, we've already made arrangements for the burial but we wanted to have his wake on the 25th we've already spoken to Mira that's
0: me I was not there and
1: she, she said it would be fine but we wanted to finalize a date and uh, they said yeah that's that's totally fine this is like Six days away. Okay. Um, and so he gave, He said, uh, we, we understand how some of this business goes, and so we want to go ahead and give you half of the money now. No. And half later. And so. And uh, they
0: turned it down, right? No, they took half. Fuck. They were supposed to be free. That was the whole point. Uh, God damn it, you guys. Guys, I missed one session. The first one in the main campaign I ever missed, and you make my dead date, who I couldn't save, family pay for the venue. Oh, uh,
1: that's that's not even the worst part. Uh, so the player who plays Vane made a comment, and I had to clarify. Please tell me you said that as a player and not as Vane. When she say after the money, uh, after the money was exchanged. Vane's player said, what are they bearing? Just a pair of legs? No!
0: <laughs> and Thank that is God when, that was out of character. And
1: everyone went, holy crap.
0: Oh. I'm sad of myself. <laughs> is it a good joke? Absolutely. It's incredible. Very well done. But also, Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> this what is they, the best. I'm so sorry I missed it. Dang.
1: Um. And they decided that the following day, because um, they uh, th- this was a little confusing and I felt a little bad because I felt like I wasn't explaining it properly, but this was some downtime stuff. The party had some stuff they had to do. They still have to find the nimble, right? Yeah. And they've got some time before the um, the wake. So I said, you guys, you guys have some downtime and it's going to take you several days to this nimble right, and they're like but we have the
0: track we've got this that and the other and I'm like yeah yeah you've got the track it's a whole city in one nimble ride. yeah and I said you're
1: only gonna and she said but we've been going all over the city with this thing and we we, we still haven't found him and I said okay you, you have, to have not it on. been well the, they had it turned on one time uh, and I said but you're only going from point A to point B on your way to other missions you're not thoroughly searching these burrows, and I'm even rolling percentiles because you're not rolling thoroughly and you haven't come across them. I said, if you want to be effective, you've got to search each one one by one. You know, he's not in the dock ward. You've already been there and you searched that place thoroughly with the help of Zod clarifying and everything like that. I said, but you've got like nine other places you have to search too. Mm. And uh, I don't, none of us are really used to downtime activities. So I think it's like because we're so used to going from one event to another and another. That we're not used to spending more than one day on something. We're used to
0: skyrimming this
1: shit. And uh, Terry uh, made the point. He says, well, I want to have some time to work on this final uh, crystal. crystal. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I yeah, said... I got one more
0: left. And I
1: said, yeah, okay, that, that's fine. Because, see, when it comes to downtime, you know, in, in the past, you've been trying to knock these things out in a single day. So I have you roll intelligence checks. But if you want to spend more than one day... You can spend time instead of just rolling risks of getting locked out, like you have been with the second crystal.
0: Kind of like in Call of Cthulhu, where you can either skim a book or you can take the time to read it. Yeah,
1: I said you can either you, you can either rush and roll the dice and risk, or you can take the time and just get it done. And he says, well, I don't want to do that and search for the, the nimble ride because that's going to take up space for one or the other. And then he said, well, can I... Can I like do the crystal at night since I don't have to actually sleep and then search for the number right during the day? And I, I checked the books and I said, yeah, uh, because you don't sleep, it just it, it requires you that you do a non strenuous activity or you go into basically sleep mode. And I said, I would allow that if that's what you wish to do. It said so you're not actually sleeping. You don't require rest, but you do need to make sure that you're not straining yourself to have it count as an actual night of sleep or rest. And so that's what we did. Vane and Vorn spent their days with Terry looking for the Nimble Rite. It took them three days. Um, and then Terry spent his nights working on the crystal. And it took him three nights. So we'll start with the Nimble Rite first. Um, on the third day, the, they finally found the Nimble Rite hiding under a crate. Oh, they in, found him. In an alleyway in the North Ward. Nice. Uh, they they told I asked them I said how exactly are you guys going to be searching for this Nimble right and I said and it's not I've already said it takes a day I just want to know how you're going to do it just for context and they said well one of us we're all going to split up one of us is going to have the the device and then the others are going to be searching normally either asking questions or keeping their eyes out and then when one person has success we'll notify all the others and reconvene I said okay that sounds fair
0: that's yeah that's that's how they notify each other.
1: Um, they just, they had, they, each day they had a specific spot where they would meet up. Okay. Uh, but semantics Uh, at this (laughs) point, I'm tired of semantics. I want my party to have fun because they're already starting to get a little upset about the concept of downtime.
0: Yeah. And turning on the device that you want Um, to use. (laughs) So, so they find number right?
1: He's hiding under a crate and uh, I think this was one of the the, the best moments of the last session because this was just... They take
0: him down and then they said, Nimble right? More like clumsy wrong. Actually, the
1: number right almost kicked their butt.
0: Wow, guys. Um,
1: <laughs> okay, so... I'm not going to say exactly what the stats are because you guys may encounter another Nimble right in the future. Obviously, this is not the only one. And we still don't know what exactly is going on with it. But... Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it could have been replicating itself like the other one.
1: Yeah. Um... Plus, you guys still only have half of the pieces. You found the Nimblerite and you found that it was responsible for the fireball, but you still don't know how the white stone and the limping cloaked figure is involved. Hmm. So maybe the Nimblerite has something to do with that as well. It's too many coincidences, not enough information. But so they find the Nimblerite, and Terry immediately says, Target, located. Come with us quietly or face destruction. He'll uh, do it too. (laughs) Well, the the nimble right, without even hesitating, whips out a rapier from its right thigh Uh and attacks the party. Wow! Now, um, this thing is like a master fencer. Like Terry kept trying. Terry was like the only one who was doing anything to it for like three quarters
0: of the fight. It's just t- rock 'em, suck 'em, robots, DD edition. That's what I said. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's uh, a pretty because obvious joke. Vorn tried putting it to sleep. It's a robot. <laughs> These guys are lost without me. I don't want to be that guy. You uh,
1: <laughs> never play without me again. Mera tried okay. casting a spell on it that no, required it. I wasn't there to and make... I don't have spells. Mera tried to I make. I wasn't there and I don't have spells.
0: Okay. Okay. Is this a joke or you just want you me keep to keep saying Mirror tried to do something to cast a spell? And I'm like, I wasn't there and I don't have any spells.
1: Sorry, not Mirror, Vane. Uh, <laughs> Vane tried casting uh, some spells that required saving throws, but again, it's a robot. Um, unless it's like physical damage, you're not gonna. There's no mind to manipulate. There's no. It's a robot. It's made of metal. It doesn't get poisoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so Mira. I mean,
0: doesn't she play Pokemon? <laughs> you can't poison a steel type, Suze
1: I didn't even catch on to that. <laughs> but but so so Terry with this big old axe is like the only one who's really hitting this thing. And even then, it's getting Terry as good as it gets. Uh, the first by a
0: Terry action figure.
1: The first, um, first hit that Terry takes from this thing, he's not he he hasn't raged yet, and so the thing deals like seventeen points of damaged him because it can attack three times Whoa. twice with a rapier and then once with a hidden dagger it takes out of its ankle christ um, that's what
0: kabuto does in uh karen's campaign yeah but this thing keeps its
1: dagger short at its ankle like terry keeps his axe store on his back
0: oh um, that's pretty cool that's right they're just both full of secret blades God, that would be a really cool fight to watch on screen.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah. I kept doing my best to, like, uh, because that's the other thing. This thing has the parry ability, and the party learned real quick that it's fucking strong. God, God, I wish I was um, there. That sounds
0: like such a fun session, man.
1: And so, um, uh, let me make sure I got my notes here right.
0: Uh, after, After
1: Terry took significant damage, he decided to rage. And at level three, he finally got to use his Barbarian's Unique Rage Ability, which is where we... It's called something else in the book, but we call it System Malfunction. Ooh. Um, and so Terry rages, and he's raged before, but he notices some text go across his visor as he's fighting, and of course the extra armor plating comes out and everything. And uh, he um, he calls it... Uh, this is a System Error Malfunction Imminent, Flash Cannon Activated. Oh and God. all of a sudden his... His chest opens up and like this lightning rod comes out. He's the Giver.
0: Absolutely, he's the guy, <laughs>
1: Um And so uh, the lightning rod comes out and as a bonus action, he can... Uh, the, the enemy that he is firing at with this thing... One, he can launch a lightning bolt as a bonus action on his turn with this malfunction.
0: Oh my god. And
1: um, in order for it to work, the enemy has to make a constitution saving throw. And the enemy despite being a machine, does not have a high constitution, and so he kept failing, and so with this attack every time the enemy fails, you deal 1d6 radiant damage to the enemy, and so in addition to his two-handed ju- great axe, he was launching like lightning bolts unibeam style from his chest oh
0: my god uh, yeah, that- Iron Man is a much more relevant reference than the guyver I realize <laughs> Everyone listening to this is like, who the fuck is the Giver?
1: <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Vorn decides that he says, okay, there is no way that I am hitting this thing head on. And I've tried. It's not working. Because he, he kept like wanting to stab it in the back. And he wouldn't roll high enough. All of his attacks weren't hitting. And I, I basically flavored it as, um, you're so used to fighting fleshy targets... That all of the normal weak spots that would be on a regular person are armor plated on this thing. That's a nice flavor. And so uh, Vorn decides to get creative. He says, "All right, I want to use my my uh, my roguish actions because, like rogues, get, you've played one before. They get like bonus actions to hide, disengage, or do other stuff."
0: Oh yeah, it's been so long, I've forgotten.
1: Um, and so he wants to use his bonus action to disengage and run all the way to the end of the alleyway. And I'm like, okay, what's he trying to do?
0: Hmm, He's got a plan. He's got a sneaky plan. Uh, And
1: and Susan has tried fighting this thing with a a fence because she's like a 200 year old elf who's like been schooled in the art of fencing. But this thing just puts her to shame. Like it's got like calculated,
0: uh, methodical. Protocols or whatever. She just downloaded it like like Neo learning Kung Fu in the yeah. Matrix. <laughs> well, no, she didn't. This robot did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: Um, and uh, so she she finally calls in a Hail Mary and she says, "I'm going to cast Cloud of Daggers on this thing." And I said, "Okay, what's that do?" And uh, she basically says that it for a five square foot area, dive, knives magically appear on a creature of your choosing, and at the beginning of their turn, they take four d four piercing damage. And I'm like, okay, there, there's, I've got nothing for that. So uh, the next turn starts, and all of these daggers pierce into the machine, but not before uh, it deals a significant blow against Terry. And even though Terry, now that he's raging, is only taking like half damage against this thing, still takes 11 more damage from the 17 he'd already taken. Woof. Terry and this thing are now they're being held together by duct tape they're they're both shaking
0: this is like a anime fight this is hardcore this is a dope battle
1: yeah and then so so vorn on his turn decides to climb up uh up up the side of the building and run as far as he can along the building's edge and i said it's like a three-story building you're in the upper part of town so it looks a lot better than the others and I said, uh, so what are you going to do up here? He says, I'm going to take one of my javelins and I'm going to throw it right at this thing. Get it from like an aerial shot. Oh,
0: straight down, huh?
1: Um, yeah, and uh, he gets the killing blow on it.
0: That's a pretty sick killing blow. Yeah, yeah. He, he,
1: <laughs> he hail marries the, the shot. It lands. It I, I say that it pierces the, the nimble right through where its collarbone would be. It goes out of its side. It is pinned to the ground oh, and it's cool. it's continuing to try and swipe with its rapier but as you can see the, the energy leaving its eyes it then falls to the ground a crumbling
0: husk that's a really cool death man god I want to see that enemy <laughs> that's so <laughs> cool oh my god that's so cool I awesome. had so much fun DMing this fight and everybody that's one of the coolest fights that I think our group's ever had
1: and then Thorn proceeds to like he makes an acrobatic check to like slide down the side of this building and Terry's mad because he got the killing blow and he says like what? took you so long.
0: Where did you go? Oh, yeah. I bet you was a little jelly, maybe. Um, <laughs> I would have been.
1: And so uh, the party then decides that they want to search the Nimble right, And they're like, I'm going to look for anything valuable. This thing, there's going to be something on this thing. And I say, there is. <gasps> I say, uh, you, after searching the Nimble right in one of its compartments, you find a very very small but accurately printed map of the city of Waterdeep. And I explained it that this looks like a map where someone they haven't hand drawn it. They have like a metal printing plate that they have stamped onto the Gutenberg. Thing. Yeah, they Gutenberg. They it. freaking Gutenberg. And I it. say, and on this map that's it's about the size of a standard eight and a half by eleven paper folded up, you see
0: there's an X uh located X marks the twine. <laughs> <laughs> Pip thought it was funny. Dog loved it. Uh,
1: <laughs> there is an X located Hi, on girl. in one of the wards in Waterdeep, and next to the X is the name uh, Finerus. What's the name? Storm Stormcastle. All right. All right. Um, so, yeah. yes, the party defeats the Nimbleite, and they find uh, a map with an X and a name written on it that seems to point to a specific point of interest but before they do this the party decides that they need to go cash in on their reward for taking care of the nimble ride right, with the house of inspired hands
0: and we still haven't gone to see an open lord to talk about the dragon right
1: well they yeah, uh happening? they did talk to Hlam, and Hlam said he would talk to vajra safar and they did say that we can set up a meet with the black staff who's also a prominent member in Waterdeep. Uh, protection and politics all right, all right. And so the, the gears are in motion For that meeting to take place Perfect um, I wasn't sure I couldn't remember I wasn't there guys <laughs> Actually uh, I didn't mention this Because I thought it was inconsequential But they actually did go to Blackstaff Tower oh. Where Hlam and Vajra were talking And they said We talked to the dragon And it wants a meeting with you And he's, she's like I, I know Hlam was just telling me that Hlam just told me that You dipshit <laughs> and then Bourne was like where's our reward
0: Jesus Christ <laughs> I'm never missing a session again <laughs> this is so funny god but, I wish I would have seen it
1: but anyways they go back to the house of inspired hands and they're looking uh, first thing that Terry does is he calls Brina his contact and he's like Brina I need maintenance <laughs> Because he's, like, falling apart at the seams. Poor fella. And uh, she proceeds, to she shows up, and she's all worried for him. And uh, she starts, like, getting all of her equipment to take care of him. And uh, they ask her, like, do you know where Valletta is? And they say, she's somewhere around here. Uh, what do you need her for? And they're like, we have a, a reward to receive for dealing with this nimble right. And uh, she says, all right, Terry, you're stable. I'll Give me one second. I'll go retrieve her. What was and it,
0: 500 gold?
1: 500 gold pieces.
0: That's top tier reward right mm-hmm.
1: there. And, uh, Especially at level three. <laughs> and so it takes her about five minutes to find Valletta. And I asked the players, I said, well, you've got five minutes. And there's always new stuff going on here at the, um, the House of Smart Hands. You guys want to see if there's any new inventions to check out? And they said, yeah, sure. I said, okay, I need each of you guys to, to roll me either an investigation or a perception check. And so Vane saw this really cool metallic dragon that was fluttering around on a table. Wasn't complete, wasn't able to take full flight, but it seemed to be working uh, independently of itself. That's cool. Um, Terry uh, was so worn out that he couldn't focus on anything. Like He kept having to hit his head to get his visual sensors online. He is a cartoon. (laughs) Uh, But Vorn saw this really cool design. It was a model of a... Stingray, but it seemed to have all kinds of mechanical parts attached to it. That's cool. And it, I said, as you look closely at it, because it's very finely detailed, you notice that it has a plaque underneath of it that says Scarlet Marpanoff. And I thought, oh man, that's wicked. It's um, pretty wicked. Valletta comes back, and uh, Vorn asks her about the the stingray, and she says, oh, that was a model that we made up a while back. It's that's just the drone we used to kill
0: Sterling? I felt bad saying that wow <laughs> I shouldn't have
1: said that the way I described it uh, at the party is I said <laughs> do, you, do you guys remember in Star Wars episode one the Phantom Menace those little oh. stingray like submarines or whatever that they used the, so apparently that's an old reference even for us yeah, because most of them I said uh, and then Terry's player G uh, showed me this Warhammer figure of like a stingray like spaceship and it, i said yeah it kind of looks like that except you take all the guns off of it um but uh they asked about it says yeah that was a model we made a while back nothing's really come of it it's just been gathering dust on this table for a while um but she says so what about your mission and the party says all taken care of and vorn drags it in there the javelins still pierced through it <laughs> and she says, like this is fantastic this is wonderful you've gone above and beyond my expectations and so she
0: wait she, above and beyond. We did exactly what you wanted. That's above and beyond. Well, she was just excited. <laughs> insulting. The f- I'm she kidding. She I'm was excited
1: at the fact that it wasn't throwing around fireballs anymore. It's messing around. Uh, she she was more worried about the legal implications of a creation gone awry than you know anything else. Oh yeah. So she comes back and she has a small chest. Well, say small a chest with 500 gold pieces, and she says, "You may divide this up amongst yourself." As you would. And the party was considerate enough to hold 125 of it off for you.
0: Yay. Uh, yes. That is dank memes.
1: Um, and she said, and because uh, I'm so thrilled at your progress, I'm throwing in a bonus. <gasps> and she gave the party, uh, she, she, she scrounged up four minor inventions that each member of the party was able to take for their own. Uh, the first one, which I believe is the one they left for you, is a set of collapsible and extendable stilts.
0: Okay, give that to the person who regularly wears a skirt. That's fine.
1: <laughs> um, and basically these are stilts like the ones that you see in Wolfenstein. Yeah, actually, except instead of just making you jump taller, they they just increase your height by five feet. Yeah. But you can change their height on the will on at will mm-hmm. while you're wearing them.
0: That is kind of like Wolfenstein. Well, nice,
1: um, fun game. It doesn't increase your movement speed or your jump height, but it does allow you to, you know, alter your physical stature and allow you, you know, common sense stuff. That's going to be incredibly useful. Uh, the third, the second item, which is the one Terry took, was a portable parachute. Uh, oh. Th- this is a device that takes up ten square feet when launched. You need at least sixty feet worth of falling before it opens properly, so you can't jump off of a twenty or a a, a two-story house and not take the fall damage. He's a little
0: heavy. Is he sure that's going to work for him?
1: Well, the way he he's done it, um, it, it will work, but um, he is having it installed into the low his lower back. Okay. So now it's like a part of him.
0: The only thing installed in my lower back is arthritis. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. That's my upper bag. <laughs> the, uh,
1: the next invention, which is the one Vaughn took, is called the Barking Box, and it is basically a a six inch by six inch cube with a like a light switch on one side and a hand crank on the other. And after spending a minute cranking the handle, the, bo- the box will make what sounds like a dog bark for one hour, and then the switch on the side alters between a small dog bark and a large dog bark.
0: I can see pretty creative uses for that.
1: Of course, but yeah, the thief wants the distraction box.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then uh, the last one is more of a role-play item, but Vane decided to take it. I gave, I gave everybody, you know, fair chance, and she went with the matchless pipe. And it is essentially a clockwork pipe that has a flint button mechanism built into its side so that when pushed after three consecutive clicks it will light whatever is inside of it and have it consistently burn until
0: empty. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, that one's less useful. Um, <laughs> but it makes for good roleplay. You could probably use it to start a fire in a cinch. Mm-hmm. And a pinch in a cinch. I'm not smart. Also, also does... Bark Box is a real-world subscription box for dogs. Also, so, none of these <laughs>
1: inventions use magic, so you could easily hide them on you without any magical-sensitive person noticing. So, very, very handy um after this the party decided to return home to their places of abode where several things happened um wow,
0: first it was a long session firstly
1: we'll start with the the less eventful Vane decided that at the end of the day she wanted to inspect the new employees and test to make sure that they were doing their job as opposed to the rat folk who were doing it last
0: time. Normal supervisor stuff, but with trauma. Got <laughs> yep. it. Yep.
1: <laughs> she, uh, she inspected the kitchen. She inspected the bar. She inspected the dining area. And everything seemed to be in ship shape. Um, she even thought that it was such a good job that she gave everybody, uh, all of the employees, one copper piece.
0: Wow. Low. Well, considering
1: <laughs> that they're all guild members, they don't have to worry about getting tips from anybody. Um, they still thought it was a nice gesture that their boss was giving them a little bit of a you know a thank you um, and I gave her a fate point because when she was doing all this she was using some real world experience because she has had previous jobs working in food industries and um, she took some of that and applied it to a to the job that she was doing in The Forgotten Realms.
0: And then also she probably had like personal chefs and stuff growing up. So I get that. As a character, not not in real life. God, yeah. I wish. I wish.
1: <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I almost forgot to mention. Uh, before everyone left the House of Inspired Hands, Vorn and Vane left first. Um, Vorn, not Vorn, Terry, wanted to go back up to the room where Nim was and talk to him again. And uh, he had a very nice heart-to-heart, but Valetta, who had the keys to his room, new keys, used some language that he really didn't like, such as outmoded, scrapped, and um, disrepair. Ooh. Uh, and he did not care for that. And so uh, he talked to Nim, and he offered that uh, if, if Nim ever wants a friend, he is more than willing to be there and help him out. And uh, they had a, a nice little heart-to-heart, whereas as much of a heart-to-heart as you can have when you're all made of metal. And addicted to butt. And then he <laughs> proceeded to have some words of his own for Valetta, which she did not take kindly to. Ooh. Um, give my money back, actually.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, she didn't even talk to him like a real person. She talked to him like just an automaton. She doesn't understand why he's getting so emotional and why there's so much attachment to this other automaton That has even less intelligence than he does. Um, It it was rather heated. But uh, so then Terry goes back following Vorn and Vane to the tavern. And then Vorn is approached by J.B. Nevercott. And so he's like, okay, I'm starting off my first day as a double agent. (laughs) Um, And Nevercott has his next mission, which is to deliver an expose to a newspaper stand uh, or company, called the Waterdeep Wazoo. And his goal is simply to leave this expose. It, it's just like a manila folder with like 10 pieces of parchment on it on the the head editor's desk. Hmm. And um, Vane says, is there any chance I can read this? And uh, JB says, oh, by all means, read to your heart's content. I plan on it going into the newspaper anyway. You'll read it sooner than later, I'm sure. And it is a very juicy, juicy article about unnamed nobles in the city of Waterdeep partaking in devil worship. Ooh. Uh, Talk of mass orgies, uh, vile (laughs) offerings, and the worship of the demon and demonic lords of the negative planes. Someone call (laughs) Madison Cawthorn. And Vorn's like, and you're saying that all I have to do is drop this off on his desk and I'm done. It says, we'd prefer it if he didn't know you. He said, here's the catch. You have to sneak it in there and leave it on his desk without him catching you. We don't want him to know where it came from. He just needs to know that it was delivered. And uh, how you do that is up to you. Whatever means you want to take is fine, just as long as he doesn't see you and it arrives on his desk. And Vaughn's like, challenge accepted. <laughs> Um, God. And uh, then finally, there is Terry. And Terry has spent the last three nights working on this USB crystal. Uh, Brina has offered to install his new parachute into his lower back. And suddenly, as Terry finishes unlocking the final part of the crystal, he uncovers the whole truth. ...about what happened to GimGim. Yo! Now, you made some assessments. About, I made many assessments. About what this is. And you can tell me how close you were. But when I told G this... He thought it was no, it was nothing what he was expecting...
0: But it was awesome. I like that he didn't know his own origin story as a player. I think that's... Well, fun. I, I gave very fun.
1: He, um, so, this is what happened. After spending all this time with the crystal... Um, the crystal loses its green color and just becomes opaque. And suddenly his chest opens up, kind of like with the lightning rod. But instead of a lightning rod, a yellow sphere uh, protrudes from his chest. And then like a Star Wars hologram projection, uh, there is a lifelike representation of Gin standing in front of him. And he is holding an identical sphere, same color and everything, in front of Terry. And without taking his eyes off the orbs, he then proceeds to speak while he's being recorded on a crystal device. Um, Gimgen explains that he made T-32-RY's body as a prototype Crime Stopper construct. Halfway through the prototype development phase, Gimgen was approached by a shady character who went by the name M. M who offered him an exorbitant amount of money for the schematics for this construct, but was turned down out of Gimgen's pride. Uh, Gimgen came home a night, uh, one ten day later, to find that his family was murdered, save for his mortally wounded son of 13 years, a bloody M painted on the living room wall where his family lay sprawled. Of course. Gimgen rushed his bleeding son to the nearest healer, where he learned that the wounds on his body were unable to be healed through both physical and magical means, but he was able to be made comfortable. Uh, After the City Watch and various other officials interrogated Gimgin and requested that he be given a... uh, Sorry. After all the officials did their investigations and interviews with Gimgin, he requested a private moment with his son, who was dying. While alone, Gimgin performed an untested ritual of his own design and snared his son's soul into a projection crystal. Okay. Gimgin uh, kept the crystal hidden in a secret bag of holding and used his newly created secret study to find a, find a way of restoring his son and tracking down the man who killed his family. Unable to restore his son's physical body, Gimgen made the desperate decision to use his new uh, construct as a body for his son's soul. Gimgen uh, locked away his son's memories within the projection crystals housing Terry's soul and sealed them within three other crystals hidden within his secret study. Uh, This was an attempt to ease the shock of his son's new form when he finally awoke and then set Terry to activate, and I say Terry, I mean T32RY, to activate five days after he fled the city. Uh, Gimgen's reason for fleeing Waterdeep are as follows. One, to go after the man who killed his family. Two, to flee the authorities of Waterdeep for committing what is essentially a form of necromancy, and at least, or at worst, crimes against the gods. And thirdly, out of fear of what his son would think of him for his selfish actions. Uh, he could not bear to see his son suffer a second time, but couldn't bring himself to simply let his son perish. As for the man responsible for the Eversharp family murders, Gimgen was only able to, to discover three things. One, he is a powerful member of the Zintaran. Number two, he goes by the alias of Evil's Twin and has fled Waterdeep recently as of this recording. That's the third one. Uh, After all of this information was presented to Terry, Gimgen then closes by saying, T32RY unlock Terry memory banks. He then takes in the hologram the yellow crystal and places it in the exact same spot where Terry's crystal is being presented through his chest. T32RY then regains all of Terry's memories including those of his last moments being murdered and seeing the cloaked figure with a bronze hand uh, wielding a black knife standing over his bloody body.
0: Ooh, wow. That's about exactly what I expected, but I didn't didn't know he'd get his childhood memories back. That I didn't expect at all. I thought it would be a clean slate.
1: Not quite. So now you have the memories of Terry the... At this point, he's about 16 years old. Three years having passed since he was murdered. Um, but he is now in this T-32RY power armor. Wow. Uh
0: but yeah, I did expect that kid's soul to be in there. hundred percent. I've expected that for several sessions. <laughs>
1: uh, and it was, uh, it was a really big revelation because I did not tell G's character any of this. G's player? Yeah, G, G the player. The him, G himself? I never told G himself any of this or hinted at what would happen. Um, But I did explain to him, I said, "I, I was not trying to keep you in the dark, but I thought this was a very fitting description for why Terry has so much freedom of will and freedom of choice. Like, for example, when the noble at the opera theater was talking bad about Gimgen in front of him, he couldn't explain why he felt angry. He couldn't explain why he felt the way he did in defending Gimgen's honor. All he knows is that I don't like this guy. I don't like him. I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So is he going to be role played
0: completely differently now?
1: Somewhat. I've talked to him a little bit about it, and we're going to go over it as a whole. Uh, he'll be more or less be playing the same. Just the way he'll be expressing himself will be a little bit different.
0: Maybe just more emotional or something. Uh-huh. Very interesting.
1: <sighs> oh. And that is essentially where we left Session 3. Everyone had a lot to think about, and we still have a lot to do. Because uh, as of right now, we still have not heard back from Reynard regarding his investigation of the Cloak figure and the White Stone. We have a new lead regarding uh, a gentleman who has been marked on a map somewhere in Waterdeep. And there are several side quests that will be... Investigated regarding double agents backstabbing
0: and in uh,
1: tomfoolery.
0: I'm ready. Are you guys playing a... We're recording this a couple weeks before it goes out because we're recording three in a day. But are you guys going to play this weekend?
1: Probably not this weekend because uh, you've got... I'm out. Yeah, yeah I'm you're going to be out. I'm uh, going to a convention. We're looking at the earliest, not this weekend, but next weekend. Okay,
0: fantastic. I hope I can make it. Sounds... Like, it's getting wild. Waterdeep has been as fun as everyone says it is. (laughs) Uh, I'm
1: I'm very excited. I thoroughly enjoyed DMing this past session, and it's only going to get even more exciting because now the ball is rolling. We are leaving the phase where everyone is doing the upkeep and the startup with a private business, and now we're
0: getting into the plot yeah wow that yeah it sounds really fun that was great i'm very glad i waited to (laughs) do the podcast before i read or listen to anything about it fantastic so uh that's it correct yes that
1: is all of my notes for this session i'm still organizing the notes for the next session
0: but like i said that's going to be at least a week and a half before we start running it i'm very excited so that is everyone thank you all very much for your support remember to uh Definitely follow our podcast, Spotify, uh, Google, etc. i I might upload this to YouTube, but I think I might stop uploading them to YouTube. I always upload them to YouTube way after they've gone uh, live on you know audio formats on audio places. I'm I'm, I'm, a mix. I'm tired, <laughs> and then they barely get any views because everyone's already listened to it. So I think I might stop uploading them to YouTube, but I might throw at least this one up beforehand or i might try to just finish Waterdeep and then maybe stop uploading to youtube not totally sure but yeah we are gonna continue this we're gonna do some more i really want to play i am your world remember that one i got you yes and just just
1: because of the difficulty spike in that one i think that'll be best run as an in-between session what
0: is it like five to eight
1: yeah yeah, uh, Probably look, be a
0: good one to do after. Yeah, that's
1: treatment. what I was thinking. Do a 5 to 8, and then if we wanted to do one of the more high-level uh, campaigns like Storm King's Thunder or Tomb of Annihilation, that might be best if we want to still stick with this group of characters.
0: I, I want to try to run them out as much as possible. I really want to see where Mara goes. And if we get them real high level, I want to play Skullcano Island. I'm very much looking forward to having a level 20 campaign with that. The big King Kong kaiju pulp uh, adventure that oh, yeah. I bought. Really cool. I got it on Kickstarter. It was very cool. Did you see Terry drinking a
1: potion of growth and trying to go toe-to-toe with uh, a three-headed
0: dragon kaiju? Straight up Ultraman. in Oh, man, that'd be cool. <laughs> or... Uh, Either Ultraman or Jet Jaguar, maybe? Oh, Jet Jaguar is actually more accurate, yeah. Jet Jaguar. I guess Iron King King would probably be the most accurate, but I don't think a single person that listens to this is going to get an Iron King reference. Uh, (laughs) If you do, definitely let me know. But that's it. Thank you all, and we will have another episode coming at you very soon. Check out all the links in the description, and we'll see you all next time.